Astrid Lindgren or my dad? Maiden A to Z, innit? Hello and welcome to Maiden A to Z. Uh, from coming to you this uh, uh, Sunday evening here in Sweden, but I'm not sure where our guest is located, uh, like Mr. Philip Trummer. I am um, in uh, western North Carolina, up in the Blue, Blue Ridge Mountains. Yeah, we're coming to you not really on a Sunday, we're coming to you on Friday the 19th, and tomorrow is the big live gig. So oh, yeah, I think we, yeah. sh- we should keep in, in that kind of time frame here and imagine that it's the Friday before, you know, the day before the day, kind of. That's today. So right now we're running around stressed doing things. Yeah, exactly. I've been rehearsing, but I can't say I've been stressing. It's been oh, no. a, a heap of fun, really. Like we had mm. two rehearsals now and uh, great fun. Of course, we're going to do a live pod as well, but I think uh, I'll just follow your lead on that one. Yeah, we're swinging that one pretty much. Yeah, um, I'm going to do my first rehearsal with the thing I'm doing on Tuesday, hopefully. Um, yeah, so. I know that artist. I didn't know when you said uh, like an artist is going to come on, uh, but now mm. when she posted, I know her. I've seen her live. Yeah, she's, 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 she's really cool. Yeah, uh, I have a vague idea what she wants me to do, so that's going <laughs> to right. hopefully I can do it. could help. Yeah, I think yeah. she can draw a lot of uh, a lot of the weight herself. Yeah, she's, that's what I'm saying. She's a good one woman, one woman show. I would that's say. what I'm sort of betting the farm on. Yeah. Um, and like, uh, just to entice the potential guests of the show, it's not huh? acoustic versions of the song. It's not that kind of no, no, re- reworking. It's yeah. something different. Are you, are you guys going to record everything tomorrow? That's the idea, I think, most of it, at least. I'm gonna, uh, That's the idea. Uh, but I figured yeah. if I want to do it like with my whole multi-track studio thing, or if I just want to actually have like uh, more simple recordings of stereo from phones and such, uh, probably the latter, because it's just a small place. It's hard to over-rig it, but... Uh, I'm sure there will be some kind of presentable product for sure. Also, yeah. I want to film it as well. So, yeah, and of course well, we're yeah. doing a, a podcast episode there. Hello, be that name. So, yeah, but that that's going to be recorded, um, yeah, properly because that would be <laughs> right. Right. So we have to look at that shit. There's so much to look at for this. But anyway, that's not really why we're here. Even though no. that's tomorrow, uh, we are here now with a guest for a, a song episode. So we have two songs on G coming in, and uh, I think we all said individually that it's one of the weirdest combinations we've had to date. <laughs> <laughs> but of course, we have a new guest, Philip Trummer, and you say you're in North Carolina, but you're Swiss, right? Or am I wrong? No, I grew up in Switzerland. Um, I, I married an American, which is how I ended up over here. But uh, I grew up in Switzerland. I didn't come here until my 30s, late 30s. Actually, mm. early 30s. Um, but yeah, all of my... Heavy metal youth was lived in the uh, the Swiss um, and you know southern Germany. I grew up in Basel, which is northwest Switzerland. So you had not only Germany but also you know France. Everything was right there, right yeah. where all those three countries come together. Kind of Alp region, is it a mountainous region? Right? No, it's in the Rhine Valley. Okay. Oh, the Rhine Valley. Yeah, I know that from wine. <laughs> I know that from wine. But uh, so your your Swiss language would be German. Mm-hmm. Because of course that that country is a bit fun in that way. With all those mountains, people have different languages, not too far away from each other, like from bird's eye view. But with with all those ridges in between, interesting place, I think. You don't have to travel far to have to speak French. Yep. Yep. 
to the south, you would you would travel a little further to go where you have to speak Italian. But you have four national languages, um, which makes it interesting in a tiny place. Right. And before we get in on the maiden story, which is what counts, uh, I want to ask, do you, do you also know this thing? Uh, for us Swedes, we get confused with Switzerland. Oh, every the time. They ask us like, oh, so you have the cuckoo watch and the chocolate and mm-hmm. nah, you're not thinking about Sweden. There's another country, same two first letters. That's pretty much it. So I backpacked a lot in my 20s. Um, also in the States, and I was always, I would say, hey, I'm Philip from Switzerland, and half an hour later, I was always Paul from Sweden. <laughs> Paul? Every single time, Paul from Sweden. And I don't know. Yeah, I- Ikea, man. <laughs> yeah, <that's not> <laughs> like, I was thinking more uh, dismember and entombed, but um, yeah. it's all yeah. right. Right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, and we, we talked that quite a bit before, because we just figured we have a lot of the same uh, taste in, in music, it seems, at, at least in metal, you know. So, so uh, me and Philip, we already talked a fair bit, but we we save mm. these topics for today, so they mm. are still fresh. And of course, yeah, the maiden story—I don't know it. We haven't talked about that. It's so true. We have let's not. Let's go through it. Uh, my maiden story starts in 1991. Um, I moved. We moved to a new town with my family, and I went into sixth grade, new school. Um, I'd already been into music. And that's a whole other story, but um, I not really discovered rock music to its full extent. I think I was listening to like uh, John Bon Jovi, that solo album, stuff like that, you know. Um, mm. But new class, new school, and there was this kid. The kid with the ACDC CD. Um, mm. I remember it well. It was uh, uh, The Razor's Edge. And that just blew my mind. Amazing sound on that one. The oh. production alone is just, uh, whoa. And imagine you hear this type of music for the first time and, you know, Thunderstruck is the first song you hear. It's amazing. There's a mashup with Thunderstrucks and Ghostbusters. Also great, Eric. Mm, I'll check that out later. And then, of course, the title track, The Race's Edge, that's not even an ACDC song in its essence. It's much heavier. It sounds like Mastodon to me.
I think it's a very unique ACDC album. It's also a very, very good one. Um, it's probably my favorite, maybe simply because it was the first. Um, same class, there was a girl, and she had a, a Guns N' Roses, Use Your Illusion 2, had just come out. Um, she, I convinced her to give me that for, for a day so I could tape it, I could copy the tape. Um, and that was really my introduction to, to hard rock and heavy metal. And um, I, I, where do you go from there? So this other kid with the ACDC CD, I, he became my friend because we started sharing. You know, I didn't know anyone. He was the first guy. Um, and the Maiden story starts at his house. He had this um, CD sampler, like a compilation. It was called, uh, it was a Metal Hammer branded, the Decade in Metal, so it was 1980 to 1990. Mm. And he was like, you nice know. Decade, nice Decade in Metal. <laughs> exactly, and I was at his house, and we would listen to this in his room on his little tiny stereo, and uh, it had all the cool stuff on it. I mean, it was Manowar, Wasp, uh, Ozzy Osbourne, Motorhead, that's when I first heard all of those bands. Uh, Halloween mm. was on there, and a few others. There was some Gary Moore Maybe some Deep yeah. Purple. But there was one track that was just so captivating, and that was uh, Iron Maiden, Number of the Beast. Which, mm. I think that's a good choice. What do you think, Eric? Just quick run by, by you. Like, what's the classic rock anthem of Iron Maiden? I think it is Number of the Beast. For me, it is. Yeah, like, that's I, the song you put on there. I think that's the one that's going to grab you, you know, in the sense that, you know, the very compilation-friendly song, um, because I feel that's, uh, a def a, you know, good sort of... Uh, I can't think of the word in English, which is weird. Intersport, could you give me that one? I mean, it's, it's uh, weird as American. I cannot think of the fucking... Uh, Entry-level gateway. gateway. Maybe get, gateway song yeah. to get into the rest the of the stuff. Song, yeah. And um, also it's unique, and there's no other song like it. Same goes for Under the Hills, actually. I, I say that when people criticize that song. Like, still, it's completely mm. unique. Uh, and a bestseller at that. Like, there's no other song that sounds like Under the Hills, but maybe even more so, Number of the Bees, because that's like a fusion of punk and classical music. In mm. such a weird way, you know, which is, I mm. think, foundation of those first three records. A lot of it is that the odd combination of punk and classical music. It's just really weird, like Phantom of the Opera or something like that. So I think yeah. that's a good good choice. You have Bruce on there. You have a scream. Like, uh, how could it go wrong? I guess that's yeah. when you became a fan then. Absolutely. And I mean, it sucks you in immediately. I mean, you have that opening voice. Woe to you, OFNC. <clears throat> and, you know, as a 12 year old, it's like, whoa, what is this? So mm. it immediately sucks you in, and then it's the story, you know, the, the song, the lyrics are a story of a guy who witnesses some satanic ritual and gets sucked in, and he goes a little, oh, yeah. mad. He goes a little mad. So, you know, and I was a bit of an antagonistic teen, so that totally was up my alley. Oh, yeah. And so my buddy, he, he then lent me, he had, I think he had Power Slave, or Life After Death, actually, Life After Death. That's my, that was my next step, so there you have almost, you know, basically greatest hits record and then soon after well maybe the following year uh fear of the dark came out and that was the first album that was actually released while i was had when i had become a maiden fan which you know now you're looking back you think oh fear of the dark yeah. mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. uh at the time when you're 13 it was fantastic it was amazing oh yeah um i remember actually the live albums were albums where i heard a lot of the songs first i heard made you know uh, made in england the VHS. Oh, I had that too on VHS, actually. I'm old enough for that. Uh, fantastic. And I heard that before I heard Seventh Son. But, mm. you know, 13, then going into 14, you, you absorb it all. So slowly I just added all the Maiden albums to my, to my catalog. And, and back then you would, you would copy cassettes. 
Mm. You do CDRs were not a thing yet. You couldn't do that. But um, yeah. you could tape the cassettes. Uh, you would buy. You would make plans with your friends. One friend would buy one album. You'd buy the other. So you know oh, yeah. you mm. appropriate your money properly. So we don't have doubles because that makes no sense. You don't have Spotify. Mm. You don't have the internet. This is the only way to listen to it is to go and buy it. Yeah, and I mean that part is interesting because you do it for economical reasons, financial reasons. But it's just it creates actually creates a uh, community of sorts. You know, you buy this one, I buy that one. You start planning it, it becomes a, a matter together in a way. Yeah. And like my old friend, we used to do head to heads with Maiden, like uh, Power Slave versus Peace of Mind, and we would pick songs that would be like appropriate uh, contesters against each other, mm-hmm. and and then we go through the whole battle, you know, with one versus each. And now we did that for Brave New World and Senjutsu just now. Uh, and after a month or two, actually two months of listening to it, and month, yeah. which one won? It was actually Senjutsu by a mm. very, very small margin. So that's interesting, you know. But I, that's just, you know, speaking of uh, the little community, and you buy that one, I buy that one. You do it for financial li- reasons, and, you know, financial re- limitations are, are the reason, but it creates something. Like you're in this together. That's you don't I get mean. that now with the streaming because, you know, it, it, Free for all, yeah. But music, you know, back then in that sort of sense, it was sort of like a, like like you said, sort of like a communal kind of experience. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, you just do it on your own, or you know, I think streaming kind of makes everything. You know, you, you don't you don't get that in the sense. And it's it's. I mean, obviously, if you told me when I was a kid, hey, at some point you would have to you don't you won't have to wait till you can afford the album. You can just you know just stream it. I'd go, yeah, hell yeah, I want to do that. But looking back, yeah. there's something nice about like you know trading tapes and you know doing that kind of stuff. I mean, I was always a bit averse to getting a, a smartphone, but when I knew that you could have Spotify on it with all the music, I got one the day after, just to, to confirm what you said. Philip, you're onto something there. Yeah, and what I was going to say is, what's a, what's a little lost is when you invest whatever you know, what little allowance you have. And back then, CDs were expensive, tapes were expensive. I mean, everything was expensive. You'd pay twenty five Swiss francs for a CD, which you know was a lot of money. It's difficult for me to figure out what it was in kroner. I mean, I can't do that math. But let's say 25 Swiss francs back then would still be similar amount in U.S. dollars. Uh, when you invest that kind of money in something, yeah, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna really spend time with it. You know, you're gonna sit down. Mm-hmm. You're gonna you're gonna look at the booklet front and back. You're gonna read the lyrics to every song. You're gonna sit there. And I mean, you're a kid. You're a teenager. You have the time. Your brain matter can still absorb it all. And uh, I think that was really important, and that was kind of that's kind of lost today. You're on Spotify, you don't see the lyrics, you don't have any anything in your fingers, you don't have artwork in your hand, no booklet. Mm, right. So that's a little sad, I guess. You know, maybe younger generations miss out on it, and maybe it's just sad to us because they don't know. We know. Yeah, I guess, and also like this podcast, not to blow our own trumpet too much, but it brings back some of that old style communal listening. Like, uh, guess we have had on and Eric as well, because again, I didn't know him before we started doing this. Mm. So that brings in that communal thing again. Like we're sharing the experience of, of, of for example, Sanjutsu, but also the recommendations. Someone has a recommendation, you you follow it up because it's mm. within the kind of the the circle in a way. So I think. I would say it's an old school podcast. I don't think we're like we're using modern technology, but I think we're, what we're really trying to do is is that kind of bring back that kind of feeling, you know, or yeah, bring it back. I think it's been working. I mean, I've gotten mm. so much joy out of it already. And you know, you listen to it. I listen to you guys talk about a song and some guests, great input. And you're like, oh, oh, that's interesting. 
And I go back to the song. I'll go and listen to that song. Sometimes I pause the podcast. I go to the song. I listen to the bit. Yeah. I look at the lyrics. I'm like, oh, I never noticed that. So it brings even more value to something you've already been a fan of. Yeah. I think that's been overall the greatest thing I've gotten out of podcasts is, is inspiration to check stuff out, but also re-examining things you've already liked. And yeah. uh, if you don't, if you, for me here, I don't necessarily have any people here in town because I've moved here in adult age that I grew up with. I don't have anyone here. I don't have any hardcore Maiden fans here that I could sit mm-hmm. down with and nerd out for hours. So here you are. And yeah. this kind of, you know, is a, is, a, is a substitute for that. And it's online, sure, that's modern. We're all in different parts of the world. Well, not you two, but you and I and all of your guests. You've yeah. had guests from several mm-hmm. continents. So you create this little community and we can nerd out about a band we all right. like. And I see like a report from a Norwegian. He's walking in the mountains of Norway and he's saying like walking and seeing this and I'm listening to Made in A to Z. And I was like, wow, cool. <laughs> like, yeah, you, brought, you brought us to that. It's a, yeah, so, <laughs> it's, a, it's so weird. But I think, I think our, that's, the, that's the best thing that's come out of this, 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 little, this little community that we've, uh, that's sort of just, you know, we had no idea this is how it was going to happen. No, that's uh, what or, it's about, really. It is. Yeah, I found you guys, uh, we should tell that story too, through our mutual friend Fergal. <clears throat> from Feckin' Metal. So uh, my podcast journey started with uh, Talking Maiden. I was driving, I was like, man, there's got to be some good podcasts, because I've never really gotten into podcasts. I was like, I'll just go into the podcast app and type in Iron Maiden, and I found Talking Maiden. And I listened to all the Same here, same here. And I was like, you know, it was fantastic. I looked forward to every episode, and then when that ended, I was left a bit stranded. I was like, man, because I would go yeah. on my uh, drives to work, drive home, I do a lot of hiking and, and trail running, Same, yeah. and I would just always put in a podcast and you'd have a great time. So, Ergel was on Talking Maiden. I think he might, was he on an episode? Or they mentioned him? They mentioned him and Nesbitt was on one of his, or two of his. So after Talking Maiden ended, I was like, I, I gotta find a substitute, and that's how I found Feck and Metal. For me, when Talking Maiden ended, I'm just gonna chime in, that's when I wrote to Eric like a couple of days after that <laughs> like maybe you and me should maiden pod yeah you know from out of nowhere really like we haven't we hadn't uh, private messaged in a year or who knows how long no, more than that even it was yeah, it just it was, comes in yeah. hey let's maiden pod <laughs> let's like, do right. a, a four-year project are you up for it yeah you know? but uh, i mean from podcast we have to go back to your story again we've been in on that you fear of the dark was in there too and you liked it at the time you were in your teens uh, I'm curious what happened because uh, we're going to talk of, of a song of um, a bit later, uh, Dance of Death. So I'm curious what happened with your fandom over the 90s and into the millennia. Okay, so I was too young to see them on the Fear of the Dark tour. Um, probably. I mean, I'm sure they played Zurich. They always do. Uh, I did not see them on that tour. I was still very young. I probably didn't even know that you could go to a concert and that this was a possibility for me. I was just ex- dis- discovering all of this. Um, and then, you know, they fell apart. That lineup fell apart. Bruce left, um, and they had to, to, to regroup. And then the Blaze era started. And I bought X Factor when it came out. I liked it. I don't think I liked it the way I like it today, because I like it a lot today. It was, mm-hmm. it was tricky, because, you know, and again, you got to think uh, X Factor was, what, 95 94, 95. I think it was 1995. 94, it was 94, 95. 95. And 
I was a teenager. I was loving music. Metal was in a great, great place. There was so much happening, so many bands. I didn't really need Maiden. There was enough other stuff. So I liked right. X Factor, but I didn't like hail it as as as, uh, as much as I did the the things that came before, and definitely not the classic period. And then by Virtual Eleven, I picked that up too when it came out. I bought the CD. Uh, I thought there were some cool tracks on it, but it didn't it didn't connect hardly at all. I think when I heard the Angel and the Gambler, when I heard the keyboards, I was like, I, I got <laughs> I got a lot of other music to listen to. I I'm not gonna spend time. Yeah, right. And like, even for me, when Maiden was actually pretty good around 2007, 2009 or so, uh, I was coming into my early 20s and I had so much music discovered, a lot of it which we have discussed, right. the texting situation, and, and there was so much other things going on. So I didn't really particularly care about A Matter of Life and Death. And I think that's a great album, but, uh, you know, everything has its time and its place. And I guess what's cool about this is that you keep coming back to Maiden. So what happened then when they got into a reunion? How was that? For you. So, late 90s, uh, Virtual 11 came out 97, 98? Somewhere uh, around there. 98, 98. It, was, it was a hard time for metal. There was a lot of crap. I mean, it was, oh, yeah. it was really... Keep rolling, 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 rolling. You had new metal, you had a lot of groove, jump around, that kind of stuff, which I was not into. So I had already, because I had absorbed all the extreme metal stuff in the early 90s, this stuff really did not appeal to me. And a lot of the bands, even the bands I loved, started just making mediocre records. They were kind of straying. And so I didn't really pay that much attention to a lot of it. But it was 1999 when they announced that they were going to reunite with Bruce. So that was exciting. Yep, yep. Really exciting. I was like, ah, oh, this, yeah, this should be good. This could go, it could go both ways. But I, I was kind of excited. And, you know, the interview started floating around in the magazine. It was all print magazines for me back then. Um, mm -hmm. And when I came home one day for lunch and sat down and just turned on the TV, they premiered, it was, uh, Viva TV was the German kind of MTV equivalent. <laughs> and they premiered the Wicker Man video, and I about lost my shit. It, it it pushed life back into into metal, like into Iron Maiden. It was it blew my mind, and uh, yeah. So I I went out, ran out, and bought the the single, the CD single. It had some uh, bonus tracks. I think it was live stuff. A wasted years live. Aces high. Man on the edge. Man on the edge. Yeah, because I have I have it on CD and vinyl, and there's different bonus tracks on different versions. The same for Out of the Silent Planet. I have them on both too, because uh, I was in England at the time. I just bought all the stuff. On, on HMV. So you get some of the 99 live clips, and actually that's really good live clips. Yeah. Uh, I think we have addressed, we addressed them last week, or second, no, the week before that, in, in Future Real, we played the 99 clip, and that was, that, that tour was on fire. They were really like coming back swinging at that time. Oh, they were on fire. And so, yeah, then uh, Brave New World came out. It came out, I believe, on a Monday. Nowadays everything comes out on Fridays, but it was a Monday. Yeah, and that's true. The tour started that following Friday, and it was in Strasbourg in France. And mm -hmm. I, I saw the opening tour, uh, the opening show for that tour. That's cool. At the uh, Festival des Artefacts, it was called. Openers were Spiritual Beggars. Oh yeah, that's a band I like. Mayhem. One two. Mm. It was it was really a, a strange festival. Back then, you had strange festivals where the the lineups did not make much sense, but. Um, 
<laughs> yeah, that was my first time seeing Maiden. What age would that be? Oh, so let's see. We're in the year 2000, so I would have been 98. I was 20. Yeah, so I was 22. Okay, yeah, so a bit into your listening. Yeah. Definitely, like almost 10 years. Somehow I did not go see them on the Blaze Tour, um, either mm. X Factor or Virtual Eleven. Either because maybe they didn't come around, or if they did, it was just not on my radar. I wasn't as, and I fully admit this, as invested as I yeah. would have been if I would have been able to go see them on Fear of the Dark. Yeah, it's also interesting that you mentioned that you didn't um, fathom that you could go and see bands live because that's exactly what Peter Ivers, formerly of Inflame, said when he was in our podcast. Like he didn't get that. Like, oh, they're coming here, they're playing here. Oh, shoo, I gotta go. <laughs> you know, right. it was abstracting. How was it for you, Eric? Was that something you yeah. knew all the? Because for me, I knew it all the time. My dad was a concert goer, so you know. My my parents are not, are not concert uh, people and um, didn't have any of those kind of people around me. So when I remember the. Uh, The first time I was at a proper gig was uh, Metallica, uh, and I was like, "Oh my God, they're coming here! Like, how's that possible?" That you know, so it was sort oh, of yeah. like, a, "Oh my God," you know, kind of thing. And that same year, there was again, there was a, you know, I saw also Black Sabbath and, Black and, Sabbath. and Maiden, and uh, it's also me. It's like, "Oh my God, how's this possible?" Well, you know, like this is, you know, and now I know obviously that that's you know they, they, that they are, it's more rare that bands don't come here. But at the same time, if you really think about it, like mm. I thought about this when I saw the Legacy tour, I'm here, our Maiden are here, they're playing to me. It's, yeah. it's still amazing. <laughs> it's still like it is kind of weird, isn't in it? a way. Yeah, but it's a weird disconnect because you're listening to the live albums and you're like, they're playing in front of thousands of people, but you're mm. still confused that this could be you when you're that young. Yeah, it's like mm. yeah. So yeah, I mean, my first concert that I went to that was a mind blower was like that would have been '93. A friend, his mom drove us to Zurich to see Sepultura and Paradise Lost. Oh, oh that's cool! Great lineup. Yeah. Wow. And um, that was my first really cool metal show. But uh, was Arise was the album at the time, perhaps. Uh, Chaos Arise. AD. They were on the Chaos, Chaos AD. AD. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then you have Arise in the back burner. That's great. Oh. It's a great position to see them. You got songs of that one. You got the Beneath the Remains hits. Maybe they played something of Schizophrenia, even. They, I'm sure the they did. I mean, definitely played Troops of Doom. Um, probably the set lists are up there. Uh, and Paradise Lost yeah. was on the Icon tour. I mean, those were two of my favorite albums at the time. Mm. So... Yeah. Yeah, then then I saw I saw Iron Maiden twice in the Brave New World tour. I saw them again a few weeks later at the uh, With Full Force open air in Germany. That's yeah. near, near Leipzig. So I saw them twice, and then I tried to go to every tour since. Um, next time I would have seen them was on the Dance of Death tour. Yeah, so we're getting into today's topic. Yeah, 2003 in uh, Stuttgart, Schleierhalle, mm. with uh, Gamma Ray being the opening band. That's kind of cool. That was There really great. I went with a with a German buddy. We drove there, and uh, man, it was great. That was a superb tour. I sort of skipped out on that tour, which I of course regret. Regret and that one and the Matter of Life and Death. But I keep going back to um, the Dortmund live. Um, it's called uh, Death on the Road. That's a good one, and I think it's a really really good live record. The band is on fire. The acoustic. The acoustic settings of the room are in favor. I think the, only the toms sound weird, but I can, I can mm. let that slide. But the, the rest of it is it's just a great live record. And Brave New World on that one. One of my favorite tunes ever and one of my favorite versions. Maybe the ultimate version of Brave New World is on that mm. one. It's so good. And So what did you think about the album? To get in on the topic, like, was it, uh, for me, that was a tough one. Because Brave New World was, that was the game changer. That was like, it brought me in. I was a fan from that era. And now comes Dance of Death. I completely underrated it for perhaps more than a decade. 
How was it for you? Did you embrace it? or? I embraced it. Um, the lead-off single was weak. That was a disappointment. Uh, wasted years. No, wasted years. What am I talking? Uh, what's the song? Wildest Dreams. Wildest Dreams. It's a W. Uh, Wildest Dreams, sorry. Yep. Wasted years is yep. one of the greatest. Um, Wildest Dreams was the lead-off single. Uh, it was that or no more. I think it was Wildest Dreams. They even played it on tour before. Played it on that tour before, right. Yeah. I did not see that one. But uh, yeah, I wasn't taken by that song i was like eh, okay we'll take it but could have been better yeah. um when the album came out i really liked it though it had some it, it you know had some really hooky songs that were like immediate and then some that were definite growers and some that still to this day just kind of plot along mm, not necessarily right. bad songs but just songs that are on there yeah I really liked um, Wildest Dreams on that previous tour because that one I attended. It was my second Maiden show, the 03 one. And that was just a great set list. They opened with Number of the Beast. We said before in this episode, the anthem, the rock classic. They had Die With Your Boots on in there. They had 22 Cage Avenue. They had... Uh, Bring Your Daughter to Slaughter. Like yeah, that. they had Brave New World as well, previously mentioned. Mm -hmm. Bring Your Daughter. They had Clansman and... Kevin uh, Wait. Haven't can wait. This is the only time I saw that one. No, no, I saw it two times. Uh, somewhere back in time as well. But uh, uh, overall, great set. And Wildest Dreams it really worked for me. I thought like this is a positive song. And at the time, I was into my death metal and stuff. I was like, okay, why not one positive rocker in the playlist? Why not? So I'm, I kind of like that. So I, uh, I'm a fan of it. But it gets a yeah. lot of flack. And let's see what we say when it comes up at the way end. Yeah, I like I it more now. Yeah, I like it a lot more now than I did then. Not, I don't think it's a great track. I don't, I wouldn't rate it highly on the album, but I don't mind it when it comes on. You know, it's a rocking opener. It could, it could have been a good. Anyways, you'll talk about that in a year or well, two. I mean, yeah, two. in a while. But two, uh, I, th I think that uh, for me, I liked it. I like. I was um, since I heard it also on the tour. I heard it that on that same the same gig, the the two thousand three gig that. Uh, yeah. uh, and I think having heard it that way way before I heard the studio version I kind of heard um, what what it could be or what it's because they said there's a lot it was a lot better on the tour than it is in the album I think I agree uh, and the whole I'm on my way yeah. That, yeah, well, that was nice yeah. it was cool so and also the, the, I think that just it's yeah so they had a more energy on the, the when they did it on tour so when I heard the studio version even though it's kind of lacking in that same energy you, you, you can still hear the the, 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 the sort of the 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 framework or the bits of the song that I heard on the tour. So that's, that's, I mean, it is the same song, literally just that, you know, so that's probably why I was kind of more okay with it. Uh, right. And then you have Rainmaker after Rainmaker was an instant hit for me. That's it's also, I prefer that over. Yeah. Kind of a hidden tune. I, yeah. I keep forgetting about it and I'm happy to be reminded, you know, and then there is other tunes on there. There's one tune that I'm not going to drop because that's, I'll save that for content, but there's yeah. one tune that I used to kind of not like. And now I think it's the best song of the 2000s. Mm. Oh, one chill. So uh, we are on, on, on 2003. We are on the Gates of Tomorrow. It's a song, uh, for me, I could come in with kind of my view on it before we started this podcast. It was, I listened to Dance of Death. It's like, okay, I'm going to listen to it properly because maybe I hadn't. And the first A-side really popped up for me, like Montsegur, Rainmaker, uh, No More Lies. There's a few really cool songs on, yeah. on the first side. And then the second side, I was like, I don't like this. Because I don't really like Passchendaele. We'll get to that. A lot of people like it, so I'm not gonna. That's gonna take time to explain. But yeah. I do like Journeyman. I like that song. I, I think that's a good song. But I felt like the rest of the B side is kind of shite at the time. But now, when I go back to it, I find some some remedy in it. And actually, in this song, uh, 
like listening, preparing for this episode, I, I liked it quite a bit. And I remember this mm. as kind of a, a clunker. Until you invited me to come on this episode, I didn't really remember the song so much. So I've listened to it a lot since. And uh, I like it. It's a good track. It's not a great track, but it's a good track. Um, you know, we're coming in. It's the sixth track on the album. Uh, yep. Gers Harris Dickinson. What is it? Yep. Just around five minutes. And it's a rocker. Yep. You know, speedy. Um, I do not like how it opens up. Kind of ACDC uh, for those about to rock. So it reminds you of a little bit of From Here to Eternity. Was it Lord of the Flies? Lord of the Flies, very much Lord of the Flies. I think they go on for too long. I don't know how you measure music. See, that's why I like your podcast so much. You guys talk a lot about music and also theory, which enhances some of the songs for me because I'm like, ah, interesting. But it goes on for too long. Yeah. If they would have cut that down, because then the bass comes in, it's a, it's a, it's a cool little bass line, yeah. but again, it's not spectacular, and then you have to, you hear it for a while, and you're like, okay, come on, guys, get going. Yeah, so there you go. It's one minute thirteen of just that riff. That's so it does, too much. It does go on for a bit, and uh, they're trying to build it up, but it's not really a. Uh, I'm not gonna phrase it, Eric. What do you think? What's wrong with this build up? Well, here's. I don't think that riff is strong enough to to do what they're trying to do with it. <laughs> if you get what I mean, uh, it seems like you're. They're trying to build a house, but they're using um, the wrong foundation to do do it with. You know. And it's it's not that I mean it kind of it, it's not a bad riff per se it just is not powerful enough to be a, a reoccurring kind of main theme of a song and it's like I said it sounds essentially it's 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 Lord of the Flies it's that kind of stuff and Lord of the Flies it works yeah I'll say that but it's you know it's it, yeah it's it's not it's not particularly exciting stuff and you know and just the song in general what earlier so what happened was with me uh, these are the two songs we're doing today are not songs I have particularly strong feelings about one way or the other. Yeah, I'll say that. Right, I have. I mean, I do have. Yeah, but so because so to earlier today, uh, you know, I've mentioned multiple times on the pod <clears throat> that I'm very excited for the new Ghostbusters movie because I'm a huge Ghostbusters fan. I was right. able to get tickets for the thing today, so I was sitting there waiting, like, and I was like sort of nervous, and I was like, oh yeah, that's right. I'm supposed to at some point today talk about these two. I mean, I'm like one of them, I <laughs> one of them I haven't heard in over a decade, probably. So that's probably not true. But so I was like, I'll probably maybe should, maybe should give them a listen. And like, yeah, I, I, you know, Gates of Tomorrow, it, it does have some stuff in it, I kind of, it, that I do enjoy. 
But what I don't, the, the main riff is not one of those things. Yeah, what, what I would chime in on my experience, because again, this was the song that exemplified why I didn't like the second side of this album. Uh, kind of yeah. speaking as if it was a single vinyl. I know it's a double, but uh, anyway, the, ha- the latter half. This was a song that exemplified why I thought it was boring. And uh, yeah, again, I guess I would use the term lackluster again. It has a bit of that. And the intro, it doesn't elevate from that. It's still there in a kind of disappointing realm. But I found some I found some redeeming facts today when I listened. Some parts that I really liked and kind of maybe missed out on. I think this is a song that is better isolated than it's, it is on the album. I think on the album it comes in and it does nothing for the album. It doesn't help the arc of the album whatsoever. But uh, in isolation, a bit better. But maybe not this intro. Is is what it is. Yeah, I agree one hundred percent with that. So I like it a lot better on its own. In the album, it just kind of blends in and and doesn't jump out at you. The intro, I like Nico's little fills there. That was really cool. You know, um, but it just goes Secret on sauce. for way too long. Like I'm I'm looking at my watch, being like, okay, when are we get? When are we starting this? Um, and if they would have cut that by like, you know, two thirds would have been much more effective and much better. Right. But what I, you know, that, 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 that tap, 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 it's, I I see what they're trying to do, but it, it just doesn't work. It's, it's again, but Maiden started doing this in this era. They started to stretch things purely Mm -hmm. because they can, or because they thought they should. Comfort um, as well. Yes, and it just here it does not work at all. A lot of times it works. Here it does not work for me. Right, and it's, it's a typical type of sound. This intro for those about to rock is my immediate, you know, yes. source yeah. for this, and that's an incredible tune. So that's hard to to pull up on too. And even the French dance duo uh, Justice that I like, they made a song called New Lands. It has a, a, quite a fair bit of this, and I love that energy. So I guess for me that type of riff warrants a great song or a great arrangement and mm-hmm. here maybe you don't really get that so it's like you're celebrating but you're not at the good party you're at the, <laughs> the, the slightly worse party and you're trying to be as happy and i don't know yeah i have to agree with you guys on the intro it's not a great intro and those one minute 13 could have been deleted you know torben ulrich could have come in delete that absolutely <laughs> they were ill-advised yeah, ill-advised is the right word yeah but sadly for me um, after that, you get to the next part of the song, which is the verse, or it sounds like a verse. And I don't like that one either. What do you think about that, Eric? Uh, for me, that sounds very... Uh, uh, whew, what's the word? I guess uh, it has a bit of the Celtic thing going. It, it's, it's not... It's, um, I mean, it's fine, I guess, but it's not, it's not particularly memorable. It's not, it, it also has the, the... I don't know, this is probably not the first time this has happened, but it has the, the Yannick following Bruce's uh, you know, vocal line thing going it on. It does, it does. Yeah. Uh, which uh, he uh, has a but it has a strange you know, like it's almost like a little positive you know and which is not necessarily a bad thing but it's like yeah we'll get in on the lyrics later because i think it has some holding some connection to the lyrics but we'll get in on them yeah in, in a while 
does not after after that tedious kind of intro to have a verse that's really just very mediocre. You know, when you listen to the song in isolation, it's like, oh man. Yeah, I have to agree with that. Like, come on, put it up a little bit higher. Just add some drama or something. Yeah. And then I feel they do. They absolutely do. You get the payoff, in my opinion. So let's continue. That was yeah. the pre-chorus, and that's energy. I wrote, yeah, that pre-chorus is really good. Bruce's voice sounds excellent. Yeah, it's a really good performance, and a, I really love that. It's very, you go from this kind of song that doesn't really know what it wants to be. Yeah, it's just trying to be nice, right? Before it's a song trying to be nice. It's like you meet a person in a pub. That is not interesting, but he's trying to be nice, and you're almost <laughs> bothered by it. Like, come on, just not don't be more rude and be more interesting. <laughs> That's what I feel about the part up to the pre-chorus. Exactly, and then in the pre-chorus is when this turns into a heavy metal song. Like, this is when you're like perking up when you're listening to the song in isolation, or even when you're listening it in the flow of the album, where you may not always pay full attention. This is a where you turn your neck and you're like, whoa, what's going on here? Good arrangement, cool arrangement, and uh, just lifts the song quite a bit, I think. At this yeah. time, you're like, okay, this could actually be interesting. The uh, first two words going into that is suffering evil, you know? That's very metal. You know, that's in the metal lexicon. You hear suffering evil, it's like... Bruce sounds great on those two words. Suffering evil, dun, 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 dun. he really, like, takes command of the vowels in those. There isn't a God to save you, you know. Yeah, this is where the, the, the song really turns for me. And this is where it actually, this part of the song may even be in my favorite parts of this whole album. Yeah, I would say so too. So let's listen to the chorus, see what happens. go again it's a bit long i think it could have been a bit shorter and then nico is doing the classic nico punishing the hi-hat beat that is you, you hear it in uh, clairvoyant uh, long distance runner we had another song a while back that so it sounds like a very harris must have written this i think and what i was gonna say about the chorus um i'd rather send it to you guys actually because i'm i'm pretty lukewarm to it i don't have much to say I absolutely love it. It's my favorite part of the song. Uh, I think it works exceptionally well. And uh, it's, it's very, again, very heavy metal, very much of that, that drama, that pompous kind of thing that I, that I definitely crave. I definitely look for that in, in a song like this. And uh, going from the pre-chorus into this chorus, uh, this to me is, is excellent. 
I, I like both those parts. They flow well together, and I really like the keys here. One of my big uh, mm. um, criticisms of uh, Dance of Death is it's very keyboard heavy. Yeah, yeah, and very uh, like synthetic as well. The synthetic orchestra, and, and a bit of that like, oh, let's do some symphonic stuff, which is is not for me. But um, um, here it works really well. It adds a layer that makes this this part, this chorus, just a little more intense. Yeah. And then what I love is from here on out, we're just going back to the pre-chorus and back to the chorus. We no don't more verse. We don't revisit that hideous verse. It only it's it's the beginning. <laughs> it does not come back. And so yeah. you really, if you kind of could edit the, the the opening bit out, but then you'd, you'd have a, you'd have a strange song and got have something missing. Yeah. Maybe they even thought, okay, we need something to open this song up, but. Right. We don't really like it, maybe ourselves, or we don't think it's that strong, but then we stay with the strong parts. It's interesting. I don't know. I've never noticed that before, because this song has never been one that I would seek out and listen to on its, on its own. But now that I listen to it, I'm like, huh, yeah, from here on out, we're, we're only in the good parts. That is very true, though, isn't it? That it's so it just, is very uh, true, and I didn't notice that. I, know, I, I tend to notice when, when they do that, when it's just a one, one verse song. Yeah. But I didn't notice in this case, no. I'll say the, the, the my favorite bit when I was when I first heard it, I thought that the last word on the chorus tomorrow that there's a little bit of delay so that that word echoes out. No. I thought it was so bad. Yeah, was, I thought it was so badass. I love. I still love that bit. That's just that's my favorite bit. But also the riff, the post-chorus riff, is better than the you know quote unquote main riff. Well, I don't know why I said that. I'm not yeah. any not quote unquote. It is the main riff. Uh, <laughs> I guess, uh, but they should. They should like this would have been better. I don't know how they could have done it, but like it, it just it's, it, more is happening here yeah, than is happening. In. So let's kick it in. I think mm -hmm. that part is one of my favorites too. Yeah, I think that's just a great maiden part. I have, I have zero bad things to say about this. Yeah, yeah, I could listen to that all day. Yeah, that's what I'm here for when I listen to Maiden. And uh, it's 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 a little sad because it's a wasted opportunity. This song could have been really great. This could have been a in in top tier song. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like now we're in a studio and it's our song. And we're discussing it, and we're like, let's cut out that whole thing, and let's make the main riff of the song. I'm sure you could make that riff A. Definitely. And somehow work in the other parts. And maybe that first verse, you can still have it. I think it still make maybe a build-up of sorts. Shorten it a bit, skip the intro. Yeah, yeah, I mean, there's potential in this song. I think if you skip the intro, or shorten it to just maybe a bar, or whatever the measure is, you could, probably yeah, you, you could, well, if you would really shorten it, you could maybe work with that opening verse. It would not yeah. bother you as much, because you hadn't been waiting for a minute and 30 seconds to get to it. <laughs> yeah, I think the, the intro is like 64 bars, which is overkill for, the, for that part. And then even the verse was quite long. I felt that it was maybe three times as long as it had to be. Yes, mm. it could have just been kind of an, an, an intro verse to get to the to the meat and potatoes you know it's yeah, like you're, right. you're 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 eating your peas here you're not really into it and then you get into your main dish and then it's really good so 
for for my part, that's that that payoff is enough to to rate the song as good, not great, but good. Yeah, you know, yeah. yeah. It's a bit more music in it. I, I believe I listened to it today. That is double Janik solos. Let's see if that's the case. I think he mm-hmm. solos, like and then there's the a pause, and then I think he comes in and solos again. And there is no other. There, there's no Dave or Adrian soloing. Let's see if that's the case. Those work really well. Both those yeah. solos. They're shredder solos. They're not it's not a melodic solo, it's not something you hum and but it works well in this fast paced song. They just, yeah, and also with that little harmony type deal in between them. Mm. Uh do with a high very high harmony. Uh, I think it's all Janik. He seems to be like the kind of the uh, the uh, the the main dude musically in this song. And then I think Steve arranged it and he probably wrote that uh, chorus. Sounds super Steve. And mm-hmm. then we have Bruce on it too, which we'll get in, uh, now that we're going to get into the lyrics. I think that's probably his part of it. If Bruce's name is on there, usually he will have been writing the lyrics. I, I, yeah, I yeah, yeah. There's no other case. But yeah, there's a minute left of it, uh, which we don't really need to play now. It's uh, just using that chorus again, uh, using the post chorus again to great effect and uh, finishing the song. So it's kind of a back backloaded track. Like uh, mm. the second half of it is just killer. There's double-layered vocals in, going towards the end. It also works really well. Makes it a little more epic, a little more drama in there. And I really like that. So, I mean, I've listened to the song so much in the last two or three weeks now since we talked about yeah. it. And, uh, yeah, you, you pick out and you're like, no, I really like this song now. Again, weak intro, weak verse, good pre-chorus and very strong chorus. So, you know, if you get, get your average points out of that, it's a good song for me. Yeah. I think it may have if if they could have shortened it, tweaked it a little bit, it would have made a great opener. Yeah, I agree. That could be very that's interesting, yeah. Because it's a good title a good title for an opener, Gates of Tomorrow, because for the opener I believe the title is important. Gates of Tomorrow, anyone can sing that. You can remember that. So you yeah. could you could sing along after after a couple of listens, that would already kinda be in there. But they chose not to, so you know. And here we are. That's that's the thing. And here we are. And as much as I really, I kind of, I was surprised how much I enjoyed it listening back now before this episode. But of course, it's not top fifty. No, not a chance. No way. No, it is not. It is. It is interesting to me. Like songs like these, when they write these, these are, well, the word filler sometimes comes. You got to fill an album. But it's a good filler, right? But when you write this and you know you're not going to play it live, you already know it's not going in the set list. How does this fit into your, you know, into your body of work? How do you think about a song like that? I think you probably don't. You probably don't think about this song. If you're any of the guys in the Maiden, any of the six guys, you probably never think about Gates of Tomorrow. I wouldn't. I wouldn't think. You know, it's just something you, I mean, you've recorded, yeah. and then it disappears into your recorded history for people to enjoy, but not for you to revisit. I mean, we, we we've thought about it more in this these past this past hour than they have in the past ten years, for sure. 
Yeah. I'm I'm sure about that. Yeah. But I must say I enjoyed it. You know, oh, there's yeah. been, I mean, there's been songs coming yeah. our way in our alphabetic intentionary. There's been songs coming our way that were more of a ah, why did they do this uh, kind of trip. Whereas I would say this is it's still good. It still holds up. You know. Yeah, I think there's songs that that sort of fall in the category of you know oh why this is more of a well why not why not yes yeah yeah, yeah I mean it's, that, it's still ain't going on the list but it's still why not. <laughs> So let why not go in on the lyrics then? Because the yeah. second song we're doing today has no lyrics. So right. we only have one lyric that we need to dissect. And, yeah. and I was a little bit intrigued by the lyrics in this one. For the first time today, I, I really listened to the lyrics. So you have the weaving a thread round your heart and your soul, deceiving your eyes and delaying your goal. To me, that seems like a kind of uh, being scared of life and not taking chances mm. and um, saying that it's impossible anyway, so I'm not gonna even going to try, you know, delaying your goal. Ships in the night, when they pass out of sight, deliver the cargo of earthly delights. I don't know what that means, but I like the rhyme. I like earthly delights. That's a cool, cool line. Yeah, I think but earthly the, delights is like things you can gain, maybe, right, right. maybe uh, material things or, yeah, probably material things, earthly delights. Or maybe not even material, but things you would want to have. Cryptic lyrics, not, not a storytelling lyric. It's more a philosophical kind of thing. To the women and children, the souls that are dead. The language is very metal, you know. I've opened their yeah. book and no mercy is shed. But yeah, don't mind the lyrics. They're actually kind of cool. They do work, yeah. If I look at them more here, you have the second verse, women and children, you read that. And then, of course, the pre-chorus, the lovely part, suffering evil when you pay the price of fame. That's also an interesting line. It is. There isn't a God to save you if you don't save yourself. You can't blame a madman for this if you go insane. Give me the strength uh, so I carry on. So I think this song is a lot about um, kind of, um, there's a song on the Black Album by Metallica, the fi final song, The Struggle Within. Yeah. It's kind of like opportunities are, not ta are taken, not handed out. You know, it's kind of a, a song that motivates you to actually go for your thing and don't just sit there and, and, and blame the surrounding obstacles for you not being able to. So it's a motivating song and it's a, I think it's a great lyric, actually. I, I didn't figure until today, but uh, for mm -hmm. me, it's a really strong lyric with a good message that fits the music. What do you think, Eric? I was reading it and hold on, give me a second. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've uh, I've also, this is the first time I've sort of, analyze these more than you know they didn't really when i first heard them back you know way back when it didn't really behoove at further analyzation because they like he's like like the same said, they kind of sort of are using the metal lexicon you know word wise so it's like i that's all i kind of need oh it sounds you know they're, they're they're doing it it's metal it's good so i, I didn't really need to you know to deep you know but uh, yeah i mean obviously I, I i think that this this thing is this is um I, li I liked your sort of comparison struggle within. That's that's that's. Yeah. I, I would I've not thought of it that way, but that's kind of cool. Um, yeah, right. Yeah. Like a song for a person that may have some troubles with uh, depressive symptoms, which mm -hmm. is very very common. So at least at least one of us, probably more of us, three have had such issues at some point or time. You know, and then if you count the listeners, more than half of them have. Like it's like you you lose motivation and you're thinking, why should I do it? And yeah. then you have a song that is trying to open the gates of tomorrow, which I see as every day is an absolute opportunity. That's the message. Like, you can blame obstacles in your vicinity, mm. or you can open the gates of tomorrow and head out there and do something. And also you can't just, you know, like you said, there isn't a God save you, you won't save yourself. You can't just, you know, 
necessarily just uh, you know wait for someone else to help to you. sort out the shit or just hope things will work out. That's not necessarily the case. So you know, and you got to do it yourself. No. And this is, a, I mean, this is a band that is super DIY in all they do. Like they've done it themselves. And of course, they had help along the way and all yeah. that, and you know, some ruthlessness along the way. But I think these are guys that can actually front this message and do it just. Like the gates of tomorrow are open. What are you gonna do? Right. That's the vibe. From the 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 arc here is uh, self responsibility, kind of taking mm. charge of your life. Yeah. And uh, you know yeah. what's also cool is uh, the the madman makes an appearance here. Yeah. Again. <laughs> uh, you can't blame a madman if you go insane. Mm, yeah. Good line. No, that, yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. Well, you shouldn't. That's strong line. Words, words, words to live by. <laughs> yeah. Iron Maiden brings up the madman from time to time. They do, they do. How do you read a madman's mind? But overall, the, yeah, the lyrics here is like, it's just a great message, and I think everyone could hear it, and everyone could hear it multiple times. And yeah, still benefit from hearing it again. Has there been anyone in the history of, of any kind of mental health issue ever kind of gone like, when oh, your your, your problems gone like, no, no, it's his fault. That's never happened. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I think it's more detailed than that. You know? I, I, know, I think I it's more about what I said, that. like, don't let the obstacles. Yeah, I know. I want to dumb it down just for the sake of <laughs> yeah, being funny. Being funny I'll, for two I, seconds. I do appreciate that. I appreciate that. But I think it's more, yeah, the obstacles around you. Don't blame them. <laughs> Like, no. uh, look at what you actually can do. Look at the possibilities and not the impossibilities. You know? Yeah, yeah. Which makes it a good lyric. It yeah. does. And then even in the chorus, when, you know, you have to trapped in the web, slaves to the dead, show you the mm. gates of tomorrow. This, for me as a metalhead, this works. All of these really? lines, they're just, it's what I want to hear. It, it, it resonates. And trapped in the web is so close to depression, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Eric, you had something. No, I just think that, I mean, obviously... You know, even 2003, they're quite a bit, you know, quite, you know, quite a ways into the game at this point. They've obviously mm. talked to fans, uh, millions of fans, you know, over the years, or thousands, you know, maybe not personally, but, you know, th- yeah, probably at least thousands of fans personally over the years. And, they're, you know, and they, what, what do they probably hear? A lot of times they go, oh, man, you know, this so-and-so, this song got me through some stuff. This song got me through that. This song got So they can, like, well, maybe, you know, they, they can't, that's got to be somewhere in their mind. Like, you know, the music we do or they do is... For a lot of us, sometimes like an like a, an empowering kind of force that gives you the extra push to do something, or just or just makes you know, or even just makes bad stuff more tolerable. So that that could very well be in their mind when they're writing this kind of stuff. Like, well, you know, this is let's 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 do a, uh, you know, a sort of a. You know, motivational track, motor, slightly, slightly kind of sneaky. Uh, you know, motivational track that just would just just to give you know because they they, yeah. they do this stuff anyways. You know, people, you know, there are tons of songs that probably they, they haven't even thought about as like. You know, this is going to get people, you know, this is going to give someone the extra oomph to do something, but it does, you know, that's. It does. And for me, what works for me when I'm down and out is not like, oh, I'm going to help you. I'm going to, I'm going to shelter you. What helps for me, that's me personally, so I'm not saying this goes for everyone, but what helps for me is someone saying there's opportunities to seize here. You know, you can seize this opportunity. You don't have to just uh, lay around and, and blame your existence because like the existence, your existence is what you have. You know, it's like oh. uh, any any part of your body. That's what you got. <laughs> That's what you have. Mm. If you don't like your nose, well, tough luck. You have to start liking your nose. It's the same for uh, for you know for your mental mental state, and that's why I like these type of messages mm. because they're telling you that uh, no matter like, uh, the limitations and obstacles around you or within you, you can actually go further. Yeah, right. And within heavy metal, which always gets uh, you know. In the mainstream, people view heavy metal rather negatively. Um, it's evil. It's bad. It's 
maybe less so these days, but yeah, definitely traditionally. But still, yeah. people who are really not connected to it in any way, they potentially think of it as something rather negative, and so it's always nice to have these, you know, actually positive and uplifting lyrics. Yeah. Eric, I'm just looking at the tour dates here. Did you see this tour? I saw that tour, yeah. Uh, Stockholm, Stockholm or Gothenburg? Stockholm. I, I miss Gothenburg. Okay. Stockholm was uh, Friday, November 14th. Yeah, I remember it well. Yeah. It was a good, it was a great show and they did... Um, it was an excellent, the backdrops yeah. that they had. Mm. Uh, and then the set list, like Jonathan brought up Death on the mm. Road earlier and that's a superb live album. It's probably in my top five main live albums. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it was a really cool set. Uh, the, when we saw them in Stockholm, we saw them in Stockholm, rather, uh, Bruce was just getting over a cold. Okay. So there's certain things, like, I think that, like, and also there's a few bootlegs from the gigs before that where he would um, do things a bit differently. Like, like, like for instance, for uh, Lord of the Flies, when he did it um, in Stockholm, I think, and definitely one of the bootlegs before then, uh, rather than, uh, you know, go up for the chorus to go the high octave, he'd do just like a like he, like he kind of does in Stratego now, just like he does. He didn't go for the high notes, just kind of you know. And like for like Number of the Beast, I know one of the bootlegs, he did not even attempt to scream because he was, he, you know, he's still, you know, still a cold. Um, a, a friend of mine who was sitting sort of uh, up and to the side of the stage, he could see like in between like long instru instrumental part uh, bits or even just between songs, he, he'd go, he'd go to the side and, uh, and, uh, you know, blow his nose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, he pr he probably did Lord of the Flies just uh, how Blaze does it, which is an yeah, octave, it, octave it sounded lower. good. Yeah, and also I'll say you know you know we're not getting there for a while. I, I do really like that songs. That was fun hearing that. It was a great great set list. Uh, they yeah. they plucked really good songs from here. We got Can I Play with Madness, which I hadn't seen before. They had either, dredged yeah. that one out from after ten or thirteen years, um, and you know all the hits you'd want. They did something different as well with the set. Uh, I'm just going to look it up now so I don't like speak out of term here. But. I'm looking at it here. What I love about this live album in particular is this is my favorite work, version of Wrathchild. Because it comes in right after Wildest Dreams and the bass comes yeah. in and it just it gives it everything. Which is a song that's kind of a little you know worn out. Everybody's mm -hmm. heard Wrathchild more times than they wish to, but here it really works. And it's short, and then it goes right into Can I Play With Madness, I think. And that's what was so hard doing the fantasy set list, and I, kn I know you guys mm -hmm. will get to that, but yeah. I wonder who sits together, who sits there and says, all right, let's put this one right after this one, you know, because they always make it work. They make it work really well, and there's yeah. some key and some magic to it. Sure, and uh, what I was going to say about the sequence here that is different is that they are on an album tour, but they only do the opener, and then they do three classics back-to-back. Yes, and that's kind of rare, you know. And then they go into the title track, the second single, you know. But it's a different disposition of the set, which I think is is a beneficial one because they they start up with a kind of party atmosphere, doing wildest dreams, which is no matter if you like it or not, it's a it's a rocker. It's to the point. Yeah, and then yeah. you have uh, like um, kind of Pimp madness, Ratchild, and the trooper. So they like they open it up with four complete rockers, which I think is a good idea. You know, mm. with Ratchild, Madness, and Trooper, you win over everyone. You know, even people who are not into two thousands reunion Maiden, they're there. They're, they're, they're all they're there for you. Yeah, all the everybody has goosebumps. Everybody's just oh. happy. And then the title track, which I think is way better live. A track we already did. So I said what I had to say, I guess. But uh, I think it's way better live. 
Yeah, I was shocked at the way Talking Maiden took that one apart. I never thought about that. I always liked it. But live, the live versions are much better. I, I agree with that. Maiden A to Z, innit? The album we're heading on to, Killers, not much flab on that. That's that album is pretty tight. It's around. <laughs> it's less than forty minutes. I think it's less than forty minutes, and it's just uh, for me, maybe not even a weak spot on that album. But it is also what it is. It's not no. my favorite Iron Maiden album. You know, it, it is not. But it, it has a very good consistency of power and of of, of energy throughout. And as we're heading into Genghis Khan, we're heading into one of the four instrumentals. And I can spoil already, I really like all the instrumentals by this band. All four of them. And I have a hard time ranking them as well. Uh, but yeah, we're going into Genghis Khan. Uh, let's yeah. bring in Eric first. You said you weren't particularly excited about this. No, track. no, it, I mean, yeah, it, it's, there's, there's other ones. I think I like the other ones a little bit more. Like, I really like Lost for Words, for example. Mm. Um, and this is cool. This is, this is cool, too. Not that, just that. There's so much other stuff in that album that I, I dig a lot more. That's that's what I sort of. Um, that's that's kind of what I was uh, coming with that. But it, yeah, it's a, it, it, I really I really do. It's a, it's a cool song. It has some really cool bits of that. It's a, there's some cool kind of um, uh, sort of bits where they uh, just in the intro. I mean, we'll get we'll get we'll go do. I'm assuming we're gonna. This is interesting. We can go through we, it because it has such clear parts. So we we've never tackled the instrumental before. So. Oh yeah, this is the first instrumental. The first, yeah, yeah. Yep. And I, I've said before on this pod, I'm an instrumental type chap. I like uh, instrumental music. Yeah, and I like all the Maiden instrumentals. I can already spoil that. I like them yeah. all. And uh, my, this is not my favorite, but it sometimes has been my favorite. Yeah. Did you, did you know that um, apparently, and again, the, some I, I, it, I've a little fact checking has proven this might not be the case, but he's definitely up there. That so, according to some sites I've checked, uh, adjusted for inflation, Genghis Khan would be the richest person who ever lives. Oh, okay, which is not something cool. you think about when you see him. Like when you see pictures of him and just think of Genghis Khan, you'd go, "Oh, well, there goes the." You don't think it was the richest guy in the world adjusted for inflation. Uh, <laughs> I mean, if you go all my heritage on it, you know, yeah. that kind of thing, when you look up your heritage, I'm sure I'm the most likely here to be a descendant of this dude, because I'm um, uh, slightly Eastern European from the well. Finnish side, you know, I got Finnish side on, on Finnish blood on both my parents. And uh, so I think, and also I got the slightly more slanted eyes. If I'm smiling in a photo and, and I get I get a snapshot, I look like an Asian. So uh, I'm probably I'm probably related to this guy. Probably, 
I'd like to make it very clear that was that was, that was not a me joke. That was something he actually said. So you can send angry things to him instead of me. <laughs> I mean, according to legend, uh, he has a lot of descendants. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, apparently he got around. Yeah, he got around. He got around, and he had power, and that's an interesting starting point, I guess. Like the violence monopoly, we call it in Swedish. I don't think that's an English phrase. Voldsmonopol, mm-hmm. but that means like uh, violence is the key factor to any type of decisive power, and uh, the Mongols are probably the most famous for this. That yeah. is based on violence. We, I don't think we mention Game of Thrones a lot in the show, but you have the Dothraki. No. Are clearly based on, on, on this whole thing. Yeah. And uh, here we go with an instrumental song that is apparently about this guy. And I, li- I kind of like that in almost in a funny way, that this song is about him, but there are no lyrics. <laughs> I have an idea. Uh, just something you could think about you know, doing if you want to sort of rebrand yourself a little bit. Because you've got like, all, these ki- all these people like, who, who do, you know, you know, make uh, reggae or hip-hop and whatnot, who call themselves, they claim to be like, oh, you know, Bob Marley was my dad. So they go like, oh, I'm, I'm yeah. Jeff Marley. So why don't you go ahead and just, you know, Jonathan Kahn. Jonathan Kahn. That's a good <laughs> ring to it. Yeah, thank you for that idea. I might use it. There you go. Jonathan Headley Kahn. Yeah, so I think uh, when, I, when I looked through the instrumentals, my favorite was probably Ides of March, just because it works so well. And this is on mm-hmm. the same album, and this is kind of the counterpart to that. And uh, it's, for me, it's pretty epic for its very brief length. How long is this track? I got, I got it here. Three minutes and eight seconds. Very brief. That's pretty tight, especially for, by today's, by how they're doing things nowadays. Right, right. Do we know who, who wrote it? Because on in this era, some of the uh, credits are still a bit iffy. Right. It says Steve only, and that's the case for songs like Purgatory, which is not Steve only, I believe. Of course, I don't have the proof. No one does. Uh, Strange World, I don't think it's Steve. I'm sure there's someone else involved in Strange World. And Genghis Khan? Mm, fringe case. It doesn't sound it's like only book. Steve. It sounds like it will not be only Steve, but we can only go over the information that Steve tells us. Yeah, man predictions. Man predictions <laughs> is first. That's still my favorite. So like man predictions. Yeah. So uh, we should, maybe we should dig into the track. Or what do you think, Eric? Yeah. Yeah, that's probably a good idea. Let's do that. So the intro is very cool and eccentric as well. I would say. That was the intro, 10 seconds. And just the toms following along with the guitars, it's kind of primitive, I would say. It has a primitive vibe to it. Everyone is playing kind of in unison, even the drummer. Like, there's no beat whatsoever. That's cool, I like It that. is this melody, you know, it's kind of a pagan sound or folky type sound or maybe classic, but definitely mm-hmm. not rock and roll. This, this is like a, a very, very, very Clive Burr kind of thing. Yeah, it does not feel right. rock and roll. It's all is melody. And I've said that before about this band. And it also kind of goes for Metallica as well. They don't work so much with beats and uh, rhythms as much as they do with melody. Like the melody is always the lead of the song. And here it's like you can hear everyone just going by. Like no one is trying to back that. Everyone is up front, just doing it. And I think the intro is almost silly, but I like it. It's silly in that heavy metal way, you know. I wrote down opens a bit corny. So I'm right there with you. You know, it's just yeah, almost funky bass line coming right after it. 
Yeah, that's what we're getting into. But yeah, Eric, you said you like it there. You you think it's a cool intro. I got kind of enjoy it, yeah. Yeah. But see, it, it sounds very like this. I mean, it sounds very of this era. Uh, yeah. If you get my... And kind of Steve, I guess if we're going to let's let's do a game and we're trying to point out if some part is not Steve and he stole it. I don't think this is the case for this one. This sounds like something Steve would write mm. on the bass. And in, in, in a bit, we get to a, a riff that I know another band stole. Oh, yeah. We're getting into that. That's towards the end. I know which riff. <laughs> well, I mean, there's probably several, but if we're thinking the same, that'd be kind of fun. Yeah. Okay, here we go. This, I guess, would be the verse, even though this song has no lyrics. And talk about a horse, horseback metal. You know. What kind of horse tempo is this? I don't know, probably not the particularly... It's not Gallop yet. It's not Gallop. Maybe this no, is the Trod? Trotting. 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 Shout, shout back to Alexander the Great episode. Mm-hmm. I like this. To me, this Ch- is sh- extre- extreme. Shout horses in general. <laughs> and horses in general. Yeah, big up. But this is extremely <laughs> metal to me. This And, and that, even this transition with the snare is absolutely peak metal. Dratan. Pausing it now. So at this point, we have three three themes already represented. Yeah. The intro, the trotting, and then the charge up. In one minute. That's effective, you know. They're not wasting any time here. No, and but and also you could not shoehorn lyrics into this. Because you're going very fast. And a wise decision not to, I think. Yeah. Because how would they shoehorn that in? Riding on the plains, the ancient warlord Genghis Khan. <laughs> There's that song, Ging, Ging, Genghis Khan. That wouldn't have worked here. I, I thought about the other song yeah, with the, the disco song about um, what was that Russian? Rasputin. Rasputin. Pro- Rasputin yeah, <laughs> the Rasputin, yeah, Russia's greatest ra, ra, love machine. Rasputin, something, <laughs> ra, something. Ra, Rasputin, Russia's greatest love machine, or yeah. <laughs> something like yeah, that. Infamously, that's what is known. So for maybe it. they could have right. done this, like uh, Mongolia's greatest love machine yeah i mean i you can't i mean sure he, he did have a lot of ancestors right so he, he was yeah. probably a love machine mm-hmm. that's probably uh, that, that's a, probably what they felt yeah a particular brand of love <laughs> a particular dark <laughs> brand of, of of love or affection mm-hmm. probably not too much probably. consent going on there yeah i don't i don't know they thought oh look at him he's a so severe lack of consent most likely like that's yeah, going a, back he, to the violence monopoly Wald's monopoly it's just a love machine yeah I don't know. I sometimes daydream. What I, what would I have been like in in this kind of society? Would I still mm-hmm. have been somewhat lazy and comfortable as I am now, or would I have just been like, shit, this is a violence monopoly. I gotta up my game here. I gotta re- defend myself. Well, especially if you're fucking Genghis Khan's son, you probably gotta get out there and <laughs> yeah, prove yourself. Or you could just you could just live <laughs> off I guess your dad's. I mean, I don't know that he's. You know, that's a topic of itself. The sons of the great leaders. They can turn out. Very different. But probably if you were in that, you know, living in that time, if you were just kind of lazy and hanging out, you would have been very dead very soon. I think so mm-hmm. too, right? And you, you would have figured it. At least I believe, I hope I would have figured that. Like, you probably wouldn't be doing this. <laughs> I wouldn't be made in podcasting. No, for, very, for several reasons, I imagine. <laughs> I don't think the old Khan would respect that. Like, I'm going to yeah. take some time off my swords training or a horseback arrow <laughs> firing training, and I'm just going to talk about Maiden with a friend. Yeah. Probably not, right? No, he probably would not. He'd not have been cool with that. A stricter type society. But if he so. told them they have a song and they wrote a song about him, he might be a better fit. <laughs> yeah, and if I played the song, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of that, we're heading into an amazing part. 
Like, brace yourselves. Hold on to your hats, as we say. Because this is just... This, I'm not even going to put any labels on it. That's good. So that that kind of minute or just short of a minute is so metal. It's so, so fucking metal. <laughs> He's almost grinding. Clive Burr is almost doing like in style of a Norwegian black metal band or something. Wow, it's good. My thoughts here are, and some of this is attributed to you, especially Jonathan. So I was kind of like Fergal. The drums, I love drums, but I don't listen to them the way maybe they should be listened to. But listening to Talking Maiden, because you guys talk about drums a lot, especially you. Um, Maiden A to C. <laughs> Sorry. Maiden A to C. Talk right. about the drums. So I started, I started appreciating drums more, where I would, you know, pay a little more attention and be like, what's he doing? Oh, that sounded really cool. And it's like, wow. And here, Clive Burr is an absolute monster. And it's almost proto-thrash what he's doing here. Proto-black? Proto-death? This is 1981, yeah. and he's just killing it. It's intense as fuck, this part. And this has never... I never would, I would say like, yeah, this hasn't jumped out to me before, but now it is that I listen to this song more, uh, you know, with more concentration, like trying to take the little parts apart. I was like, wow, this is heavy. Heavy as fuck. Yeah. Yeah. You wouldn't hear Nico doing this kind of stuff, I don't think. I don't think so. And I think even if they did it live, he'd find another way to do it. But I was going to add about the drummers that I was already a bit of a drummer nut before I started this podcast. But it's gone even worse doing this because we met, me and Eric. Of course, you knew Henrik before and I was acquainted with him. But we met yeah. him kind of in, 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 in within the show, right? He should be on soon too. It's been a while. But uh, we also met Emil Mikols and it just kind of poured, poured gasoline onto my fire of, of drummers. Like, I just love drums. I don't know what it is. It's just, uh, it's amazing. And uh, Clive Burr, he has, he has gotten his fair share of uh, mm. credit. He sure has. But he deserves even more, I think. This is forefront metal. This minute that we just listened to. It's just like, wow. Just a quick, uh, I looked up because I was curious. Uh, so uh, you have, um, uh, in, in, as far as uh, horse uh, speeds or the tempos speeds, they run yeah. in. Yeah. Uh, I, I, so apparently, uh, probably uh, what's before a gallop is a canter, apparently, which they, mm. uh, what I think is what apparently this. Uh, um, quick question. In, is there yeah. anything beyond gallop? Because that could be this part that we just listened to. That's kind of uh, beyond gallop. You know, It's wilder than gallop. No. Okay, so uh, this is on. just Gallop Plus. No. 
<laughs> you no, but that's just You don't even want to be on that horse. That's a horse you don't no, want to be on. You yeah, want to be on the that, trooper horse. And like, dun tick dun tick dun tick dun tick. That's a steady horse. But yeah. this I mean, horse, I, this is a scary one. I mean, that's the horse. That's the horse god insane, and you're gonna die. Soon. <laughs> you end up in the neighboring country. You'll be Norway or Finland or whatever. Like, which uh, is a long way from you know. Philip is gonna be in. Uh, I don't know. Where's Philip gonna be in Wisconsin? Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Genghis Khan would have ended up in Norway or something. This, this, I horse, don't know. yeah, this horse is the madman. There is a thing called Crazy Horse, right? We have a lot of uh, Neil Young fans in this podcast listening. Yeah, that was also he was he was a, he was a dude. He uh, I mean, I don't know the Crazy that. Horse. Yeah, but that's he, Crazy Horses, and it was the name of a. I remember what, what tribe he was part of, but some some did American we, dude. We also we had a pub in Stockholm that was for like especially designed for divorcees or divorcees, <laughs> and that was called Crazy Horse. There's, there's one. There's one. There's like now. forty plus divorced people would go there. Uh, there. There's there's a Crazy Horse now as well, a new one. Uh huh. Is it still for uh, divorcees? I mean, I'm sure there's some there. Yeah, Crazy Horse was of the Lakota tribe. Okay. Black Hills, Great Plains. We're yeah. going to do like a big special on uh, Native Americans soon on uh, Lost in Lost World. So that'll be fun. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, that's not soon. That's a very it? rich topic. Uh, we have it on Run to the Hills, of course, as well, but that's way later. Yeah, I think, but, I think, uh, I think it's more from what... Yeah, anyway, we'll get to that. It's extre- an extremely interesting topic, I would it say. Did. And uh, quite different, I guess, the Apache or... Uh, whoever it's quite different to the mongolian tribes uh, yeah. not so, as the mongolian tribes they feel like they're way more like a bulldozer way more violent uh, but let, let's dive deeper into that when we actually discuss the native american tribes but i think it's yeah. a different it's not as much of a violence monopoly going on no they have yeah, they do, they, there's a couple of uh um which I think, yeah. So I mean, yeah. So but yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll get to when we get to that. That's that's the best way of doing it. But again, if you if you if you if quality is not an issue, then we then feel free to visit Crazy Horse on Sveavagen here in Stockholm. Quickly veer off topic again back to Death of the Celts. When you guys did that episode, you know, you were talking about the historical aspect a little bit, and that episode actually made me wonder and look that up. And uh, I've listened to a six-hour podcast on the. Uh, I think it was called the Celtic Genocide, um, mm-hmm. about that topic and Julius Caesar more or less exterminating any and all Celtic tribes. Oh, so, yeah. And you brought up quickly uh, Celtic Frost, and you were like, oh, they're from Switzerland, how are they Celts? But those were right. the Gauls, and the Helvetii were part of the Celtic culture. They were a Celtic tribe. What we oh. view nowadays as Celts is more, you know, Ireland, Scotland, uh, Wales, where the culture kind of has remained. But uh, the Romans more or less annihilated the Celtic tribes of of ancient times. This all happened, you know, 53 BCE. So, Mm -hmm. but uh, very interesting. So I can recommend, uh, Dan Carlin has a podcast called Hardcore History. Yeah, Hardcore History. Hardcore History. So he has a segment, it's it's six hours on basically the Celtic genocide. Very interesting. And it was your podcast that made me listen to it and learn something. That's cool.
in, in Sweden, did you grow up with, uh, they, were, they were comic books, um, uh, Asterix and Obelix? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Those are, yeah. I did, I did for sure. But they, the subject of those stories is the, the, the Gallic tribes and mm. their opposition to Caesar. You know, obviously it's comically enhanced right. with their super potion that they become invincible, but they talk about the Druids. They talk about all these historic locations, the Roman towns, um, the battles, the, the time frame uh, in history. Everything is accurate. So when I was listening to this podcast, I was like, oh, Vercingetorix. Yeah, he was the, the, the guy of the Averni tribe who then basically laid his arms down to Caesar and uh, gave up the Gallic resistance. So it was very interesting because a lot of that stuff just rang uh, so familiar because I read those mm. those those books as a kid, and uh, not very popular here in America. You can find them in the stores, uh, translated. But um, in Europe, even probably in Sweden, I would think those were oh yeah, they were, they were big very too, big yeah. in Sweden, very popular. Like I like them. My my uncles would like them. I had an uncle who was like very heavily into the yeah. mm. um, business side of Sweden, and he wouldn't really talk about anything that didn't concern his business. He was in a media conglomerate together with Jan Steenbeck. Jan Steenbeck was a very big character here. He had like TV3 and stuff. And, and my uncle was involved as a kind of vice president. But when we put on Asterix as kids, he would come in and like, this is fucking funny. <laughs> this is amazing. I love Asterix. Shout out to and Gossini. I think they were Belgian. If you're interested yeah. in, the, in the history of, you know, some of the Celts and the Gallic tribes, check out Asterix and Obelix. Yeah, it's very interesting. It comes into metal a lot. Like some of those black metal bands, like Marduk, for example, made the album Rome, a really cool album. But they mm -hmm. they started almost like uh, glorifying the beast of of Rome, you know, because that was six 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 and so on. Uh, it's sure. interesting thing. Caesar is a is a character that shows up in metal often. You have. Uh Bands like yeah. Reverend Bizarre from Finland, Caesar is Forever. You'd Morbid Angel, yeah. Hail Caesar. Yes. Um, yeah. And uh, Primordial, a lot of that kind of Roman yeah. Empire, how empires disintegrate. Yeah, yeah. And I guess even this song has a bit of that. That, that was a huge empire by land. Mm. But I think, from what I know from Dan Carling, for example, is that the problem with the Mongol Empire was that they didn't really work with what they had conquered. They just conquered it, and then they just left it, you know? Yeah. Like, uh, if you want to be a big warlord or a big international warlord, you have to put in these local uh, rulers that you know very well and that you can manipulate and what's, yeah. what, what, what not. Otherwise, you will lose the area. And uh, I'm not particularly familiar with the death of the Mongolian Empire, so I can't go there, but I'm sure it must have been partly due to not taking care of what you had conquered. Just conquer it and head on, you know? Yeah, yeah. So if you're at home planning on doing this, don't do that. You got to have a vision and you got to plan in place. There you go, Zell. Then the delay guitar is going to come in. This is the best. This is the best.
That's so cool. And then a kind of Hello Be Thy Name type outro, you know, before that song. That's cool. Love that part. Love it. Yeah. So d- during the sort of digga, 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 that bit there, I was like, because hey, I was going to drop it before you say it. This is oh, my last resort. Yeah, exactly. That's it, yeah. right? Yeah. Pop and, uh, yeah. Oh, but didn't they also yeah, they steal did. from Hallowed Be Thy Name? And of also a little bit Transylvania, too. Of course they did. But I mean, uh, I connected this, Eric, because I saw that it was uh, back in the days where you would have a TV advert for an album. This mm. is this is ancient by now. This is twenty years back. You would have a TV advert for a new rock album, and then mm. Papa Roach would be on there, and I would be like, "I know this riff." You know, yeah. I was a kid. I didn't have the ears I have today. I, was like, I know this riff, and I love it, but I hate Papa Roach. What's going on? And I was like, oh fuck yeah, it's Genghis yeah. Khan. Okay, that that explains everything. It's E minor, and uh, I still hate Papa Roach. Shit band, in my opinion. Oh, it's yeah, not I my mean, thing. It, I I haven't thought about this band in well since. Whenever they, I mean, I'll I'll, I'll say this: uh, they do. There's some stuff they have done uh, that I fu- that's fine uh, later on. But their first album, there's there's another song uh, called because uh, uh, that's the, what we mentioned. There was from the song uh, Last Resort, but um, there's a song called Between Angels and Insects, where they've the the vocal line and to some degree the guitar line is just it's just they just stole Prowler straight up, uh, uh-huh. and. And the thing is, when you ask them, I mean, not like not when you ask them, like when Eric asked them. When I was hanging out, Papa Roach asked me, no, no, but so they, someone will, they've had been asked, you know, like, oh, see, that sounds a bit of Iron Maiden. And I think if they, I respect them 100%, if they just go, yeah, yeah, that's, that's you know, that's obviously where he got it. That, that's, uh, yeah. that's fine. But that, because, you know, obviously, well, there's nothing new under the sun. People borrow stuff from everyone. That's fine. Oh, no, but I like, like no, that they would, did that. I like yeah. that. That's no, the, the most it, redeeming part about this band. But then they say, like, like, no, we haven't really listened to them. I guess we must have the same influence. It's like bullshit. You Fuck, off. Influences. <laughs> Fuck off, Papa Fucking Roach. You're Papa fucker. Roach. Come on. Like, yeah. Know your place. <laughs> know your yeah. place. They wouldn't even know Maiden's influences. Okay, that's a little yeah. sad. Yeah, I remember. I, I think I remember the backlash in the metal scene was like, oh, these guys stole Maiden riffs and then pretended not to know who Maiden were. Yeah. Mm. Just, just unlike, for example... Uh, a band that I also don't like, but I respect way more, is uh, Avenged Sevenfold. Because they yeah. will at least admit it. And uh, we talked before about uh, uh, Matt, Trivium, you know. And the way he steals, I also support. I mm-hmm. wholeheartedly support stealing music. Because I think music is uh, of that nature. Like, you make versions of songs, you retell tales. That's how music works. You don't create... I mean, you create a bit, but you work also with the history of music. So I'm completely for that. Yeah. But uh, if Papa Roach wouldn't admit that, uh, yeah, that's another dent for that for that gang in my book. You know, with, I mean, like uh, for instance, uh, I mean, I, I, like everything I've kind of that every. I mean, uh, everything I've uh, yeah, I'll say everything I've ever made uh, music-wise is there's always something from someone else in there. I, I've not, I've not, I've haven't been out there blazing trails. And yeah, making up new I, stuff. He- I heard three songs of yours. Uh, properly yeah. because of working a bit with the band and yeah. uh, i would say that uh, yeah you you do it the right way like there's no but clear like, way to hear this is exactly that there's a ton of 90s in there there's a ton of smashing yeah. pumpkins in there but uh, there's there's indeed but, but you like, carry but the like torch the, i think 
But like for instance, when someone for the one of the songs when they like they go, oh, this is this sounds like Strange Death in Paradise. The Bruce, uh, I was gonna say Bruce Springsteen. Sorry, Bruce Dickinson song. Uh, sorry, no, yeah. Um, but obviously, yeah, yeah, that's that's where I got it. So that's yeah, that's that's definitely yeah, that's definitely inspired me to do that. So yeah. uh, rather than pretend like oh, I'm not familiar with his work, I, I think we have the same influences. Like no, you don't. I would probably have liked Papa Roach more if they just said yeah, we listen to Killers because anyone yeah. who listens to Killers is a friend of mine, you know. It just works like that. This is an amazing album. It happens to be oh. my current maiden album that's currently oh. on rotation. So now I'm actually like peak killers mode. The whole album for me is just a, wow. Why didn't I get this the first time I heard it? It's so good. Like, what the fuck was mm. I up to, to criticizing any of this? It's an amazing yeah. album. Amazing. It's a great album. It's a wild trip. The whole album. Absolutely. There's no. Yeah, no flat. All killer, no filler, as the kids would say. I don't know. The, I don't know. The kids would say that. I don't uh, know also, the think. three minutes that constitute Genghis Khan is, f is filled. It's like filled to oh. the brim with with stuff, with yeah. musical stuff. Yeah. And, I was gonna, and, yeah. and I mean, it even like kind of enticed us to go on 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 to talk about empires and to talk about these kind of things mm. without any lyrics, without any lyrics. Yeah. You know, and I, I'm a defender of instrumental music. I always was. And when I meet girls, especially, they normally, they're not into instrumental music. And it's not like I feel that they have worse taste than me. I usually actually say that my music's taste is so-so. It's not great. I'm not a taste maker, you know. I, I love music too much. So some of the stuff I like is not that good. That's just, just you know, I face that. But come on, listen to some instrumental music. Everybody, everyone, just do it. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> it's great. You're missing out. You're following only that human voice, and that's great too. Lovely instrument, mm. but there's a lot in instrumental music, yeah. I have to say. And this is our first instrumental track, so this is a perfect time for me to rant on this. Mm. And I think you agree with me, Eric. I don't know. I do agree with you. Definitely, I agree with you. You um, like soundtracks too, right? I love soundtracks. Yeah, it's lovely oh. stuff. Mm. I mean, same here. I listen to a ton of instrumental music. I mean, from post-rock to... I mean, the entirety of jazz. Please. The entirety of jazz is instrumental. Uh, yep. You have, you know, modern uh, neoclassical stuff. Yeah. I mean, instrumental music plays a huge role in my life. A lot of time I put it on at home. You know, I have a family of kids. Sometimes you just don't want yep. more words. There's enough words in the house. There's enough words in your life. So yeah. uh, you just you just put on instrumental music. I mean, today, this morning, I was listening to a, a band called A Winged Victory for the Sullen. And uh, that's mm -hmm. beautiful modern uh, composition and instrumental so no everybody should listen to instrumental music but the the, the voice the vocals tell a story and for some people they want to they want to have a story to engage with the song but if you're into music um as you know you like the art you like music for what it is i think instrumental music can and should play a role in your life yeah and i think the vocals humanize the music which can be a good thing but it shouldn't be a necessity you shouldn't need to have it humanized because I come in from, actually I come in from video game music at first. That was mm -hmm. my very first love, Mega Man and, and such mu music. I mentioned it, I think, in Deja Vu because that song is absolutely Mega Man or rather the yeah. reverse. But anyway, what I want to get to quickly as we're heading towards the end is that uh, instrumental music to me has always been, that's music. You can add the voice and you can do it brilliantly. I happen to these days love the the music the the human voice as an instrument i think is one of the coolest instruments out there and especially for us because we're human so you know we 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 kind of we tend to to put more um, emphasis on that particular instrument because it's within us and i love lyrics i used to not really care 
for lyrics so much. I was a typical metalhead, I guess, you know, but my dad was always a big lyric buff. So I got into his stuff uh, through the Bob Dylan stuff and all that. And uh, now I'm very into lyrics as we, you know, in Gates of Tomorrow, we talked about before, that's my favorite part of the song. I think that lifts the song. So, mm. but just a tip to anyone that hasn't gone into the instrumental uh, l- lurky waters, just go there, you know, just yeah. row your boat there and find something you like because there's a lot of gifts in it. So as we're rowing our boat, should we put this on the list? For me, yes. I'll say yes, too. Yes, 100%. And, um, yeah, I echo that, what you just said, Jonathan. The way I got into music was through uh, soundtracks for the Spaghetti Westerns. The oh, yeah. Eric Daniel Morricone, one of my biggest inspirations. So when I was, I, I saw those movies when I was way too young. My dad would let me watch them. But not only the visuals were really captivating, it was the music. And the yeah. music is unique. To this day... You know, Ennio Morricone stands alone for me. And so, again, I did not know that there were soundtrack CDs, whatever. I was a little kid of maybe eight. But I made my dad tape those from VHS to cassette. And I would listen to them in my little Walkman. And, you know, and he would tape them and then cut it off when the scene started. But, uh, yeah. Uh, Like the Ecstasy of Gold, you know, Metallica's intro. That's like a beautiful piece. The first time when I saw Metallica the first time back in '99, and I, I wasn't aware they were going to do that, and I was a I was a Clint Eastwood fan. I didn't know that was their intro, so that was huge. I was like, I got, I was, oh wow, that was, oh, I was, wow. that was so in, insanely excited, excited. It was, it was, uh, yeah. So for me, that last that last minute of Genghis Khan, really, that's epic metal. I mean, that oh, guitar yeah. there oh. makes the hair stand on the back of your neck. But here's my question, and here's what I'm I'm curious about. Could Paul have even worked with this if it was a song with lyrics? Because most of Paul's characters that he sang as were like drifters and prowlers and killers. You know, he didn't really do that fantastical or theatrical. It's great that you ask that because I did a version of this with his vocals on it. I already, already aired it in this podcast, but it was a while ago. So let's listen to it. So I just added a bit of his vocals there from Phantom of the Opera. That's fun. Onto my onto my version of, of Genghis Khan. It was my guitars. And, That's cool. And, but cool. Uh, yeah, he could, I think. Okay, and I think so. It yeah. would have had to be longer, you know? Yes. Uh, the way the song structures is not conducive to, to add lyrics to it. But yeah, I wasn't sure if, if Paul could have convinced me that he is Genghis Khan. But uh, maybe he could have. Maybe, maybe from the perspective of a normal guy. You know, yeah. From that perspective. So you're someone else which is watching Genghis Khan? Yeah, and just ruled by him or something. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Brainstorming here. Brainstorming here. But uh, I think he could have added lyrics to it. Uh, sure. A vocal melody. They did try for Transylvania, I know. But they never made the cut. Yeah. And me personally, I like instrumental songs. And I had one thing more to bring up this episode before we wrap it up. And it's that people mm-hmm. say now, in Modern Maiden, you get the instrumentals within the song right? You have an instrumental break of three or four minutes or even five minutes in the parchment, for example. But for me personally, I prefer when you get the instrumentals as a track with a title, 
You know, it's just for me that's that gives more merit to the instrumentals than just have them be interludes. This is a song. This is a theme. You know, this is Genghis Khan. And uh, when you hear the song, yeah, I do visualize Genghis Khan out there writing with no lyrics whatsoever. What do you think, Eric? Uh, we already I put think, it on yeah. the list. It's a good song, right? It's a killer. It's track. a good song. It's a very good song. Um, and uh, I think possibly when I listened to it earlier today, trying to get, I might have been distracted. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but um, yeah, I mean, it uh, hasn't been your favorite, right, over the years? No, I mean, it, it, like I said, no, like I said, I, I think that. It, but just listening, to, yeah, it, it it has a lot of cool bits in it. And it's it's a uh, it's fucking badass. That's just there's no way. It's badass. No, there's no two ways around it. But but um. It'd be interesting to see what they would do with the. Uh, now they have the three guitarists. Now they have the, yeah, you know, exactly. the, maybe maybe next album do an instrumental. Yeah, why not? You know, do an instrumental to save save yeah. some work for you for for Bruce. Maybe you can do it in four minutes. You don't have to do a twelve. You know, I, like I said, the, the, the dream would be those three guys, three amigos. They write a, an instrumental. They write it together. Oh, yeah. All three I, of them. I, I that want, never happened, right? Made no, I want that to happen before we they, should know that. And it never happened that they had a credit to Gars, Smith, and Murray. Never happened. No, there's not even a credit just with Gers and Smith on it, is there? I don't think so. They never no, worked together, and, and I, I, I think Murray never worked with Gers either. No, they must have, right? Uh, I'm I'm on a limb here, but I don't think I don't think they've had they have. Uh, I don't think Murray worked with Smith either. I think it's one guitarist per track. Huh? But I could oh, be killed here. I'm opening up my, my sleeve here. You can kill me with an arrow if you know better. But I don't think there was ever a collaboration with several guitarists in this band. I'm probably looking. I'm not seeing it either. No, you're probably right. Which they should. Make an they instrumental, should. lads. <laughs> you know, go for it. Yeah, why not? What was I going to say? I was going to say one more thing. Um, just quickly, uh, Genghis Khan died in August 1227. Oh, I'll first. The exact, <laughs> but the exact cause of his death remains a mystery. Oh, well, so. We'll never find out, probably. Mm-mm. There was no fever in Babylon. No fever in Babylon, no. He died of uh, fever in uh, Ulaanbaatar. Hard to sing. Before we round it off, I want to do rotation, yeah. Rotation? And uh, we should start with the guest. Uh, recent listening. Oh, uh, recent listening. Oh, man. How many hours do we have left? No, uh, I listen <laughs> no, no. to so much stuff. Um, it's fall. I've been listening to a lot of, like, more of the tragic uh, bands. Uh, a lot of uh, Tiamat, some Paradise Lost. Um, mm-hmm. A band I've listened to a lot, and a specific album is uh, The Cure. Uh, mm. Little known English band, I think. Um, I'm familiar, I think. I've, I've hated The Cure all my life, which is a story in itself, and now I feel bad about it. But um, when I was a teenager, the, the Friday I'm in Love video was on MTV all the time, and I despised it because I was waiting for Metallica and Megadeth. So I never gave yeah. them a chance. But uh, a recent podcast I listened to, um, a Requiem Metal podcast, they mentioned The Cure album in relation to some other band they were talking about. And I was like, oh, let, let me check this out. So... Um, Second album, I think, 17 Seconds. I've been listening to that heavily for weeks now. It's uh, become an absolute favorite, and I highly encourage anyone to check it out. Other than that, uh, I've been li- yesterday I was listening to a lot of Napalm Death and I Hate God <laughs> because I'm going to see both bands next week. And it That's will fun. be my first concert, real concert, post-COVID. 
post-lockdown and all of that shit. So I'm very excited. Two bands I like a lot, I've seen before. So that should be a good time. One more thing I listened to today, actually, uh, with my wife. She had mentioned this that she saw on, on Instagram that Nick Cave had posted, like, something that they put up on YouTube. It's called The Jam. It's basically a 46-minute jam with Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. So I played oh, that wow. today. It was really cool. You, everyone should check it out. I mean, it's fall. You know, things are dying, so why not listen to music that make you feel that things are dying? Everything dies. <laughs> I started this weekend in general. It's been a lot of uh, old uh, dark tranquility. Um, mm, we talked about Grand uh, Cadaver. Yeah, back. and that kind of got me. Then, yeah. I, then I was uh, hanging out with uh, uh, the, the singer from Wormwood the other day, and we started getting into Dark Tranquility. So I Future started revisiting guest. a bunch. Of, yeah, well, not the singer, probably. Okay, yeah, yeah, another guy from that band. I mean, maybe he can come if he wants. I just don't know he's going to have very much fun. Are we? No, no, <laughs> um, no offense, that sounded really mean. No, Great just, band, I, Wormwood. We play. I played them before on this podcast. Really good yeah. Swedish band. Yeah. So, uh, so I've been listening to. So I, should, I just started just going through discography. So I started with. Uh, I mean, I, the gallery is one of my favorite ones, uh, but I did, uh, today was a lot of uh, Damage Done, mm. which is a good one. Monochromatic Stains. And, yes. That's a good one. I like Damage Done a lot. And then I, uh, today I was, or just before he got on, I was listening to, uh, speaking of instrumental music, uh, El- Elmer Bernstein's, uh, uh, score from the first Ghostbusters movie I was listening to, uh, which is a little, little, little different to, than to Dark Tranquility, uh, genre wise, but yeah. it's, uh, still so very good. Cool. For me, it's been, um, this album has been up again, uh, Hellas, uh, called Conandrum, uh-huh. Swedish kind of, uh, uh, they call themselves uh, adventure rock or adventure, yeah, adventure rock. And I think it's, that's kind of what it is. And a really good album. Uh, Conundrum has a nice flow to it. Every song has a function. It's almost like Killers in that way. But every song is just there for a reason. And um, yeah, Hellas is a great band. And I like the kind of less aggressive approach they take. It's not very muscular, it's not very masculine. Even. kind of androgynous the, the whole sound of it and, and i really like it reminds me of some swedish like uh, fairy tales by astrid lindgren i'm named from one uh, 
brothers, Lionheart or something. The one of the brothers is Jonathan. So that's my name. And then she has another great one, Ronja Rövadotter. The Japanese version made recently, like a Japanese manga or anime on that Okay, one. Really? That's and, weird. And I get a lot of the Astrid Ingren uh, fantasy vibes in Hellas. Uh, I think it's, that record is really cool. I own their first record, which I really like. Uh, it has... Uh, what is that one called? Future Past? Not Days of Future Past, but something similar. Um, yeah, it has that one song on it called Star Rider that's just... Oh yeah, Star Rider was my entry point to that band. An amazing, yeah. an amazing track. Um, Astrid Lindgren, yeah, I grew up with, with her stories. In Switzerland, Astrid Lindgren was pretty yeah. big too. They, were, they oh. were translated quite a bit. I don't know if Eric was brought up with them though, over in... Uh, I, I, yeah, I totally was, yeah, because... You uh, were, okay. Yeah, was, Already yeah, in, uh, what was your home state? Virginia. Virginia, yeah. yeah. No, my dad read me all those when I was when I was, when I was we were kid, yeah. Oh, that is great, it's great. It was one of my big heroes. Astrid Lindgren or my dad? Uh, your dad, I don't know, so I, I give him the benefit of the doubt, but surely Astrid Lindgren for sure, yeah. <laughs> I mean, she also started her career late, just like uh, Lemmy in Motorhead, you know. Mm-hmm. She released they, her they, first. Took, they took slightly different trajectories. Uh, I see them as the same, you know. It's just cool mm. people, they, they go beyond uh, what's expected of yeah. them. And they started uh, post-30, just like we did, you yeah, and Yeah, Astrid Lindgren was infamously... <laughs> Infamously, she she never changed her cowboy boots and always, you know, drank a lot of Jack Daniels. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, just on the side, started started a children's hospital, but that was a side gambit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a there's there's a, there's a, there's a lovely ch- children sort of th- a child sort of friendly theme park here in Stockholm, based on uh, Lemmy, of course. As, uh, never mind, I'm getting confused with <laughs> You can get to ride in the Jack Daniels roller coaster and, <laughs> and then a little casino downstairs where just the pleasure is to play it doesn't matter if you win or lose no. <laughs> yeah that's a but anyway yeah. yeah we went into this episode thinking a really weird combination now Indeed. having done the episode i don't feel it was that weird it was not no, 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 maiden. 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 i'm sure there's a weirder combo and i'm sure we'll get to it at some point yeah, because I remember it, uh, talking to Philip quite a bit before here and uh, just telling like, okay, we don't have anyone for Gates of Tomorrow and Genghis Khan. And you were like, ah, oh, I don't know, maybe. <laughs> I was like, my thoughts were, ah, oh, I won't be able to, to get on for something else. And then I was like, you know what? It's Iron Maiden. I love it all. I'll talk about yeah. it. And you will get on again. Uh, every You'll guest we've had is, is planning. Uh, I've got plans to return anyway. And uh, there's plenty of songs to come. It's just that somehow H and I have been... Uh, Completely popular, like uh, absolutely booked up yeah, by now. Right? It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's been. I will talk about any Iron Maiden song, and there's very few I don't like. Even if the right. ones that I don't like, I'm still happy to talk about them. So, can you do the sign off in German? Hoch das Eisen, Prost aus dem Norden. Oh, that was great. There we go. That's what <laughs> we needed. Prost, of course, Prost. Ich spreche ein bisschen Deutsch, aber aber not good. <laughs> Uh, the only thing I can say I learned from Faulty Towers, and that is, uh, wir, wir wollen ein Auto mitten. Können Sie mein Wurst massieren? Really, you just understand it. Really? Ah, you had to go there. Okay, very good. Well, neither of these tracks were Scheiße. Neither. They were both Spitze. They were, indeed. I had a great time.